You are listening to the Doc Doc Goose podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Doc Doc Goose podcast. My name is Sean Palmer. I'm one of your docs. Here is Ben Imes. He is your other doc. Here I am. Still a doc. Congrats. And our goose, Matt Imes. <laughs> hey But that's not all. We have one more person with us today. We have our guest, Dr. Annie Kadar. Uh, she is our newest guest blogger, and she is nice enough to join us for this train wreck of a podcast we call the Doc Doc Goose. Hey, Annie, how are you? Hi, good. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, welcome to the worst career decision you've made thus far. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> like the rest of us, you will now never be able to run for political office or anything else because we have documentation here of everything you say. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. <laughs> this will come back to haunt you in ways you don't even know. <laughs> Poor Annie. <laughs> we're so we're so excited to have you join us, though. This is this is fun. Yeah, this is fun. Thank you for having me. First, before the train wreck completely leaves the station, headed for its destination, we've got a disclaimer. Yes, indeed, we do. Everything that we share here on today's podcast and any future or past podcasts uh, should be taken as purely educational. Uh, in no way should this be construed as medical advice or us establishing a physician-patient relationship, a PT-patient relationship, or an architect-client relationship, uh, as the case may be. (laughs) They also, any views that are expressed on here do not necessarily represent those of our employers. And uh, they have all still held off on deciding to sponsor us so that they don't have their names attached to this, so you know how that's gonna go. I think that's it for our disclaimer. I would like to start a uh, an architect-client relationship with somebody, though. So if you would like to start an architect-client relationship with me, please let me know. Because the PT-patient relationship is out with me. You just said I can't do that. But I would like that. to establish an architect-client relationship with somebody. So never need any advice. Let me know. And you will tell people how to stay standing, but design and build their house. Good. A popsicle house. A is one of you actually an architect? Matt is actually an architect. Guess which one? (laughs) We were going to play guess which one, Sean. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Not Sean. It's not Sean. Sean, can I give you some advice? Because normally you're giving advice. If (laughs) If I say no, will you stop? (laughs) You are likely to get sued and lose everything. So don't do it. Will they take my non-existent architecture license away from me? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. That would be rough, buddy. Yeah. All right. Today is episode 21, which means it's health articles. And we thought it would be so much fun to bring on Dr. Kadar to share in the fun with all of us. Um, first off, I would just want to introduce uh, Dr. Kadar to our audience. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Tell us about what you got going on. What I've got going on is a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you personally, mentally, or in my life? You know what? Whatever this you is going to be such a loaded question. Yeah, I know. It works. This is a safe <laughs> space. <laughs> oh, so nice. Well, I'm a, I'm a traveling physical therapist, and I recently just started a holistic health coaching business online. 
um, in Florida right now on a travel assignment, but Canada is home. So I'm from just outside of Toronto and my passion is everything about health and wellness. So through my own journey through health and fitness, I kind of realized that there was a little bit more to the fitness world than just the physical. So I started incorporating all three of those in my own journey from spiritual aspects to uh, more mindset and mental health aspects. And I noticed a transformation. So now I spend my free time teaching others to do the same. Very wow. cool. Very and nice. you, do that, you have your own website and brand. What is that? Yes, I do. Uh, my Instagram, my brand is Holistic DPT. So that's uh, my website. That's my Instagram and Twitter. You can find me everywhere through that. And don't make the mistake that I did. Holistic is one L. Yes. Yes, it is. I you tried putting two. Did I spell it wrong? Is it actually one L? It's one L, yeah. And sometimes I see it spelled with like a W-H-O-L-E. So I don't know. Maybe that's a different like angle. Mm, huh. Very huh. creative. Yeah. Like whole. I, I do whole feel like, like spelling it correctly is the way to go though. You think? Mm. Yeah. I think, I, think, I think you made a good business decision there. I'm not a business person, but just as somebody who spells on a regular basis. Do you, yes. rem do you remember that movie, uh, that thing you do is about the wonders and they started out as one ders like the O-Neaters. -E. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they changed to W-O-N-D-E-R-S. So, yep. You started off on the right track. <laughs> now, does this establish a business coach client relationship? <laughs> Maybe. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That was not in our disclaimer, so that is perfectly on board. <laughs> All right. Well, we are happy to have you. Thank you for having me. All right. With that, like I said, it's Health Articles episode time. Let's do it. Dr. Imes, I cannot wait to hear what you brought for us. I am, I'm so excited to share this because we have two physical therapists here to see what your reactions are to this article. Today's article comes from the Human Kinetics Journal. Annie, is this your article? It is not. Okay, good. I just want to make sure I didn't steal your article on accident. Thank you. <laughs> that been really close. Okay, Human Kinetics Journal. Wait, you didn't ask me. Is it my article? Because <laughs> mine isn't from BuzzFeed. <laughs> oh, okay. Continue. Right. It's not, just, you know, <laughs> or I've got, I've got a backup one. So you can use this one. I'll oh, do, thanks. I'll do my magnanimousness. Uh, all right. Human kinetics journal. Uh, the title of my article is called stretching is superior to brisk walking for reducing blood pressure in people with high normal blood pressure or stage one hypertension. Ooh. Tell me more. Oh, if you didn't get that, the short the short of that is uh, stretching, at least in this study, was better than walking to lower blood pressure. Pretty Ooh. pretty exciting. So right. I'm um, with you so far. What? I'm with it so far. Oh, you're you're on board. Okay, good, 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 good. I'm who, who are they testing or talk People. more? Oh. Tell us more. Okay. I'm not on board. Tell you yet. more. I'm not Talk on more. Board yet. <laughs> so this this article, uh, uh, breaking away from my normal trend, is actually on humans, and not on mice or rats or whatever else you can study, trash pandas. 
Um, this one is actually on humans. Uh, it was a study of 40 people and they put 20 people on the uh, uh, stretching side of things and they put 20 people on the walking side of things. Um, and they found that there was a slight improvement uh, on the side of the folks who did stretching versus walking as far as lowering blood pressure. And the reason they think that is that maybe it has to do with um, uh, improving the elasticity of the blood vessels uh, by the stretching and that helps lower the blood pressure. I, I don't know. Um, maybe that's something that our kinesiology experts can talk to us about. But um, one of the things though that they did mention was that as far as walking goes, that was better at lower at uh, decreasing waist circumference. So people uh, had smaller waists overall uh, if they walked as opposed to stretching. But their blood pressure went down uh, by about three to four points. So not a significant uh, drop, but, um, but it was a reasonable drop in the stretching group. And actually, the ones who were walking, their blood pressure actually went up by about six points. So for whatever reason, walking made their blood pressure go up. Do they take their blood pressure right after the stretching or the walking? <laughs> right. So they were supposed to not do that. Um, and so they were supposed to take nighttime measurements, daytime measurements, uh, sitting measurements, lying down measurements. Um, and, and so the nighttime measurements were the ones that went down the most. Uh, the daytime measurements stayed about the, uh, they actually went down a little bit. And then the walking group overall, most of theirs either stayed the same, went up a little bit, or only went down like one point. So, you know, I, I think for folks who aren't as mobile, uh, who can't get out and do as much exercise, this might be a good thing for them. You know, we're always encouraging our, our patients to get out and do more and exercise more. But in people who can't handle even the impact of walking, maybe stretching is a is a good alternative for them to, uh, uh, to, to help at least with blood pressure, if not necessarily with weight loss. Mm-hmm. What what kind of stretches are we talking about? Are we talking about yoga? Are we talking about something you know, else? I have it highlighted here. Oh, um, good job. I, the stretching, because I, I had a comment coming about that. The stretching program consisted of 21 stretching exercises of the lateral neck, inferior and posterior shoulder, shoulder protraction and extension, chest, gastrocnemius, soleus, latissimus dorsi, quadratus lumborum, quadriceps, and hamstrings, two different stretches of the hamstrings, upper back, lower back, spinal rotators, hip flexors, hip extensors, hip uh, adductors, hip abductors, and the gluteus. Now, I Matt, you know all those things I just said, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah everything. You're- basically head and shoulders, knees and toes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Layman's so, terms. Yeah. <laughs> Everything between head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Annie, so I'm I'm really big on stretches with with my patients. Maybe even swing further that way than anything else. Because the biggest thing that I see is that uh well, we're just a very inflexible society. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself included. Um, because no one teaches you when you're young, hey, you're supposed to like stretch and work on mobility, not just like going to the gym once a week and throwing some weight around. 
unless you fall off the horse there. And then, you know, a month later you'll be at the gym or eight months later, we're supposed to stretch all the time too, which is important. Mm -hmm. Now for me, I put my, in my patient's exercise program, a lot of stretches. I'm always curious though, with other PTs, when you do stretches, what is your, uh, regimen? So like how many times, uh, they do it, how long they hold it. What do you do? I typically prescribe like a 20 to 30 second hold, like two to three times. And I more advocate, advocate or tell them to focus on the breathing and the relaxation part of it. And I think I was going to say, Ben is the, I think maybe that's where the lower blood pressure came in in that study is that they were more relaxed perhaps. Yeah. Uh, that's a, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. Sean, what do you, because I I'll, I do want to address yeah that in a little bit, but Sean, what do you do for your stretching? I do 30 seconds each, uh, two sets. Some of that is just to make it really simple for patients. Just that there's no variability, just like everything is the same thing for stretching. So they never have to keep looking back. How, what do you say you do for this one? It's easy. Two times 30 seconds. Don't, no more questions. <laughs> So, but, but well, like when patients ask me about it, like, well, this, this exercise guru says to hold the stretch for five minutes. All right. Well, no, that that's what, like way over here on this side of the spectrum. And there's people that are like, oh, do five second holds. They're all the way over on this side of the spectrum. So I like to sit right in the middle of the spectrum. Yes. <laughs> and I think you like this realistically for people. I don't know how I wouldn't anyway, maybe I'm just a bad patient, but I wouldn't <laughs> hold stretch for, for three or four minutes if someone told me to. Right. I'd, I'd forget what I was doing. Yeah. You got to imagine compliance is going to go down at that point. Yes. I'm always amazed at how many times I'll give patients the, the stretches and we'll always offer like a timer. I'll be like, Hey, do you, do you want to count out in your head? Do you want to use a timer? Like what do you do? The number of people are like, Oh, I need a timer. You can't count to 30. <laughs> and I always want like, I never really asked that question because I can't like phrase it nicely in my head fast enough to ask, like in that setting, like, why do you need a timer for that? Maybe they're <laughs> but, very detail oriented and they want it to be perfect. And Mississippi's don't cut it. Sean, I, have you ever been pulled, have you been pulled over by a police officer and had a DUI test? I, even why, even why do you had nothing to drink it's hard to get that 30 seconds down <laughs> i get it i'm with your patience <laughs> so what was the last time you got pulled over <laughs> it's been a long time but nothing to drink still had to do dui test the sobriety test i could not failed. do the back i failed i can't do that right also now happened. <laughs> you failed <laughs> <laughs> yeah alphabet backwards i couldn't do right now fully sober right. i don't think i could ever do that so uh as as we go back to the article did we answer your question i feel like you asked something i didn't answer it no i no i mean i it's interesting to, it sounds like both of you kind of are on the same page on stretching exercises um and at least as far as how long to hold them and about how many to do um it's not it, not one, neither one of you is kind of advocating for that 10 minute stretch time. Um, I, but, uh, Annie kind of brought up, uh, the, an excellent point that maybe it's this, these people were more relaxed. Uh, when we talk about measuring blood pressures at home, the ideal way to do it is to kind of have five minutes of being sitting in a quiet, relaxed environment 
and averaging three blood pressures uh, over that time. Most people don't do that. Um, as soon as you wake up, you get all stressed out. Your alarm just went off. Take your blood pressure and you're like all jittery. And so, you know, maybe, yeah, they spent some time stretching that allowed them to relax. And now their blood pressure is going down at that measurement. I wonder if it's, you know, how much is it holding throughout the day? And, you know, they tried to measure that and they did a pretty good job. But and it seems like that maybe overall during the day, it didn't completely uh, hold as far as how long that's going to last for them. I'm just wondering, like during the middle of the exercises, if there was a small increase in blood pressure because the person had anxiety, anxiety tried to remember how many stretches they were and what the next one is. What a program. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, 21 cool. stretches. That seems like a lot. That's a lot. I get pushback when I give someone four stretches. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I'm giving people stretches at the office, I try and give them one, maybe two. Because <laughs> that, that, that's all I can remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I figure if they take home half of what I tell them, it's good enough. Right. It's like as Sean was saying, compliance just goes down. Uh -huh. More you go. So uh, overall, you know, for me, I don't know that this is going to change my practice overall, um, make a huge difference. But I think it's interesting to kind of allow for alternatives to just saying, you know, hey, go out there. We need you to exercise, get that heart rate up, um, maybe doing some exercise or maybe doing some stretching will have benefits beyond just limbering you up, um, making it so that your contortionist career takes off. So what, what would happen if you do both? Did they test people doing both or just one or the other? It seems kind of like a next level study. I, they think, not, so. right? I think that's why we take this to the next level. Have people stretch and walk versus just doing one or the other. Exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. In the results section, four participants from the walking group and one participant from the stretching group dropped out of the study due to lack of time to participate in the exercise program and were lost to follow up. My first swing at that, it's like, I got you, brother. I, patients won't do my exercises either. And then looking back, I'm like, it was 21 stretches. I wouldn't do that either. Right, right. I mean, they, they kind of signed up for this. Uh -huh. It's not like, like they sprung it on them. These are people <laughs> who signed up for this. Um, but they had, uh, they had regrets, I guess. <laughs> they had regrets. Oh, why did I sign Every up to time I do this show, same feeling, same feeling. <laughs> <laughs> How long was the walking program? It's six minutes. Oh. Yeah, it was, that was, it was a lot easier. <laughs> it was strenuous. <laughs> it, if I had to choose, I'd do six minutes walking versus 21 minutes stretching. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, Hands you down. said 21 exercises two times for 30 seconds. Now it could even go longer than that because you think, well, do you do it each side? Yeah. So, is my right hamstring a minute? My left hamstring's a minute. My right quad's a minute. My left quad's a minute. So, it could have been 42 minutes. Oh, guys, I lied. It, the exercise was a 30 minute walk. Oh, oh, okay. I don't know where I saw oh, the walk. Back to stretching. Yeah. Well, Okay, but the stretching was 30 seconds each with 15 seconds of rest between stretches. Oh, so it's like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of stretching. <laughs> I think your math's off. <laughs> I'm just saying what my patients tell me. I don't have all day to be stretching here. It's one page. All right. 
All right. Well, good to know. Any other other comments on that from uh, from either of our other doctors here? I don't don't think we want to hear from the goose at this point. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I thought it was interesting that their waist circumference went down, too. Isn't that what you said? The walking group? In in the walking group, but not in the stretching group. Did their waist circumference go up in the stretching group? I think it it didn't uh, significantly change one way or the other. No. (laughs) Disappointing. Oh, cool. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, I never would have guessed. Um, it, I mean, it makes sense, especially uh, getting into what, what Annie does that, I mean, meditation and all that stuff, you know, lowers, lowers your blood pressure. I've heard other studies that say um, one minute of silence will reset um, thinking patterns and help you to focus better. So I, this kind of all goes along the same lines um, that maybe just, just counting that 30 seconds uh, changes your thought patterns, which will of course, change uh, other physiological factors as well. Mm-hmm. And blood pressure is one of them. Mm-hmm. That's interesting too. I did a my capstone project of my PT school. We did a project on chronic pain and fibro fibromyalgia. And they found the same thing in, across like, we did like a meta-analysis kind of thing. And it was like stretching, aerobic exercise, strength training, everything decreased people's pain and improve the quality of life. So it was like, if you can't do one thing, there's options for other things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be like one idea or the other. Right, right, that's interesting. That's, yeah, that's good. It's not one size fits all. And I, that's why I like some of these articles that kind of say, hey, there's other alternatives out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome, thanks, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going next. I first, I want to apologize for this article. <laughs> I, I really tried not to do it. I tried, but um, you know, everything out there is COVID, COVID, COVID. And it seems like all the researchers for everything else are like, they gave up. They're like, eh, I'm not going to make front page anyway because the COVID stuff is out there. So I'm just going to hold on to this until it all blows over. But there are a couple nuggets in there that we can find, um, including this one. And this uh, piggybacks onto something we've done in a previous episode, but it just adds some wonderful things to it. My article comes from CNN Health, and it is called Why Swearing is a Sign of Intelligence and Helps Manage Pain and More. Hmm. So back, man, I can't remember what episode it was. We talked about this. We did this. Part of it, part yes. of it. Did you listen to anything I just said? No. I said, that. did you read we my did title? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have done a part of this, which is measuring if it decreased pain. Uh, I can't remember what episode it was, but we all plunged our hands in icy cold water, which is what one of the studies was, and swore to our heart's content and see if it changed our pain ratings. And I believe our unanimous uh, answer was no. We all hated it just the same. We all, <laughs> we all took our hand out and didn't want to do it again. And the place where we were at all thought we had Tourette's. So. <laughs> oh, you guys went somewhere and did it together? We did yeah. it at <laughs> Ben's and my wife's business. business. And oh. now I'm no longer welcome there. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> even better <laughs> Even better is because of how we record, we all had to be in separate rooms like around the establishment. <laughs> so we were all in separate rooms in random places around this with our hands in ice cold water, cursing and just screaming. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I uh, hope no one else is in there trying to work during that time. <laughs> I'm still no. not allowed back there. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So back to the article. They lay out five, I guess, facts, uh, five points in this. Number one, cursing may be a sign of intelligence. So, so their intro, I'm sorry, I have to hit the intro first. Uh, polite society considers swearing to be a vulgar sign of, of low intelligence and education. Although that perception, as it turns out, is full of baloney. In fact, swearing may be a sign of verbal superiority, studies have shown, and may provide other possible rewards as well. Now, get this. The advantages of swearing are many, said Timothy J., Professor Emeritus of Psychology at the Massachusetts College of Liberal Arts, who has studied swearing for more than 40 years. <laughs> what a claim to fame. Wow. I want that in my bio at some point. Has studied swearing for more than 40 years. How does one get into that? I know. My first question was like, did he set out to do that? Was he in high school? Was like, you know what, guys? I'm going to study swearing. I'm going to tell you the best way to drop an F-bomb and all the things they can do. Yeah. Or is it one of those things like you get into your career and like 40 years later, you look back like, oh, crap. I've been studying swearing for 40 years. <laughs> Not as well. <laughs> He probably used a different word than crap. I mean, if he's right. studying 40 years, he's better at it than I am. Oh, anyway, that caught my eye, the 40 years thing. Congratulations, uh, I'm guessing, Dr. J at this point? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. 40 years in that field. So well-educated people with plenty of words at their disposal, a 2015 study found, were better at coming up with words than those who were less verbally fluent. So here's a study. Tell me what you think. They brought these people and said, okay, uh, the, so they had two groups, one they, they found to be more verbally affluent and the others that they did not. And they said, okay, there's three letters, F, A, and S. First, you have to come up with as many words, uh, starting with F, A, or S as you can that are clean. And then with each of those groups, they said, okay, the same word letters, F, A, and S come up with as many curse words as you can. And shocker, the verbally affluent group came up with more words that were clean that started with F-A-N-S and that were not clean and had F-A-N-S in them. And they thought that was significantly or statistically significant. Hmm. I don't understand why that was a bullet point that they had that like shocked them. This is <laughs> shocking. <laughs> kind of back to like our last episode, we were trying to think of how many words we could come up with and we, we got enough. But yeah. we're trying to beat 12. We figure we could beat 12. It's interesting. I, I, I okay. I don't know if if I would draw that same conclusion. I agree. I would not but, either. But okay. So cursing may be a sign of intelligence. What else do we got, Sean? But it surprised the dude that has studied this for 40 years. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh swearing could also be associated with social intelligence. So they drew that to knowing when it is appropriate to swear and when it is not is a is a skill, just like picking the right clothes for the right occasion. It's a pretty sophisticated social tool of knowing when to drop that F-bomb and when to refrain. Uh, point two, swearing may be a sign of honesty. So they were saying that people who, uh, now I'm thinking how, how to say this 
carefully. They're not saying the people who use the most swear words are the most honest. Okay. They're not saying that because that just would be silly talk. Um, but they're saying that people who will honestly and freely use uh, swear words in their sentence, they, they found in a 2017, actually three different studies in 2017, uh, they may actually have higher integrity levels. And they drew that to saying that they're not hiding things from you, just like they wouldn't hide certain language. They're probably not uh, as apt to hide other things and they're gonna be more honest. Again, three wow. studies by a dude that's done this for 40 years. Some extrapolation. Yeah. Seriously. Ooh, that's a good word. Extrapolation. Oh, thank like you. That. Thank you. <laughs> uh, number three, profanity improves pain tolerance. So they did several studies with this. Um, people on bikes who swore while pedaling against resistance had both more power and strength than people who use neutral words. <laughs> I just want to record that one. <laughs> just a bunch of people on bikes just swearing. I'm hoping they make that into a spin class. They have like, like the dance spin class. They do like the cursing spin class, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was picturing before you said on stationary bikes, <laughs> I thought you were going to say outside. <laughs> 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 it's just like all right we're gonna set up a race in central park <laughs> whoever wins <laughs> oh my god i'm crying you just really hope that the group that was studying this <laughs> was not doing the, the the bike ride through the park at the same time the the blood pressure walkers were going <laughs> <laughs> there were some confounders in the blood pressure group. Yeah, the walkers. I'm <laughs> getting hit by bikes and <laughs> they were intelligent people who hit maybe them. That's, maybe that's why the walking group had higher blood pressure. They had these bikers going by cussing at it all time. All comes full circle. Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, another research. Uh, found that people who cursed while squeezing a hand vice were able to squeeze harder and longer. Da, da, da. Spouting obscenities doesn't only help endurance, though. If you pinch your finger in a car door, you may well feel less pain if you say shit instead of shoot. Uh, people who curse as they plunge their hand into icy water, this is the study that we were doing, uh, felt less pain and were able to keep their hands in the water longer uh, than those who said neutral words. I don't think we agreed on that one, but we didn't really measure without uh, without cussing if we could if we could uh, keep our hands in longer. Yeah. So they say this this uh, initiates a body's uh, defense reflex uh, that increases adrenaline, which increases heart rate and breathing, prepping muscles for the flight or fight. They did though say that people who'd regularly use uh, this language, it did not work as well for them. Like it was just part of the regular vocabulary. Uh, but if it was someone that didn't normally say those words and they threw that in there, it did help them quite a bit because it, uh, provided that adrenaline. Apparently <laughs> they did make an interesting point. They, they categorize a certain type of person. Uh, have you ever heard of the term catastrophizer? Mm -hmm. No, not me. no, I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> Made of... So a catastrophizer is someone who might have a tiny wound and think, oh my gosh, life, uh, this is life-threatening. I'm going to get gangrene. I'm going to die. Hmm. A catastrophizer is someone that has anxiety over everything uh, and exaggerates what's going to happen, thinks worst-case scenario. So uh, research found 
men who were lower catastrophizers seemed to get a greater benefit from swearing. The people that were like always antsy and a big catastrophizer, again, they didn't benefit from swearing so much. Hmm. But I'm going to use the term catastrophizer quite a bit in the future. I agree. That's a great new word. Man, we're learning things like extrapolate and catastrophizer. There's mm. actually a scale for that, uh, like a validated measurement tool, we're, outcome measure. Which one? We're learning new words or for no, catastrophizer? Catastrophizing? Wait, what? So, in other words, we have catastrophizer, catastrophizing, catastrophized, and mm -hmm. catastrophused. I, I just started. Are you confused about catastrophes? Catastrophused. So are it's you catastrophused? Self-perpetuating self <laughs> catastrophe syndrome. Catastrophused. I was thinking like confusion, like catastrophusion. Is that real? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the listener now is in a state of catastrophusion. Uh, <laughs> That Bogut is constantly in a state of catastrophe, <laughs> not catastrophusion, catastrophusion. <laughs> Guys, Annie wasn't lying. There is a, a patient catastrophizing, a pain catastrophizing scale. What? Yeah. Like a Richter scale, but for catastrophizing? <laughs> catastrophizing. A Richter scale is probably a good, a good analogy. Exactly like that. Uh, and the more points you get, the obviously the the worse your catastrophizing is. Mm. Like huh. like golf. I'm good. This is why I'm on here to let people relate <laughs> to what you're saying. Right. With without right. me, it just go over everyone's head. So you're like translating. I am. Great. I am. Yeah. Yeah. John, I think there's some more ways that cursing is good for us. Two more. <laughs> uh, Point number four, cussing is a sign of creativity. So they actually found that uh, curse words actually come from the right side of your brain, from the creative side, and not from the normal language centers. And they've learned that through like people who have stroke that affects their language centers, they can still curse with the best of them. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. So there you go. <laughs> curse are actually creative. <laughs> number five, I appreciate this. Uh, throwing expletives instead of punches. So they actually are showing that you are more uh, culturally sophisticated um, in that you have a new way of, um, of dealing with conflict than getting in a fight, uh, which would be good for your health because then you're not going to be in a physical altercation. What's kind of funny about this part, and part of how, they've, how they saw this, um, so his point said, it's not just people who swear, even primates curse when given the chance. Chimpanzees in the wild tend to use their excrement as a social signal, one that's designed to keep people away. Hand-raised chimps who were potty trained learned sign language for poo so they could tell their handlers when they needed the toilet. And as soon as they learned the poo sign, they began using it like they do the word <laughs> Cursing is just a way of expressing your feelings that doesn't involve throwing actual feces. You just throw the idea around. I didn't know that the chimpanzees started actually cursing with wow, with the hand signal for poo. Didn't know that. That's, that's awesome. Great. There you go. Hey, that that was fantastic. I think we learned enough about about swearing there, uh, and some good updates from uh, an earlier 
earlier time. This, that's pretty amazing, Sean. I, I think I need to throw in this an exclaimer, though. I don't advocate for use of that language. However, people who have studied this for a longer amount of time than I've been alive say that there's some benefit to it. So there you go. There you go. 40 years of studying this. That's impressive. Okay. Right, My article is from eatthis.com. And uh, eatthis.com. Not doing BuzzFeed this time. <laughs> Okay, the title is What Happens to Your Body When You Take Too Many Gummy Vitamins? I'm intrigued. Uh, me too. So the, the article starts off by saying, in theory, gummy vitamins seem like a win-win. They taste like candy, but they're full of essential nutrients your body needs to stay active, healthy, and happy. And then it goes on to say, here's the way that it could affect you. And they gave five main points. The first one is you can make yourself sick. So, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty obvious. You eat a lot of candy, you'll make yourself sick. But with this, you're eating gummies full of vitamins you're making yourself sick. And my thought was, is this dangerous? And since there's three doctors on this show, hopefully one of you guys will know. It, I'm going to pass it on to Ben. Is the question, is it dangerous to make yourself sick? No, it, the, sorry. The question is, um, if you say you get a container full of gummy, gummy vitamins, and you eat them all at once. Is that dangerous? Yeah, that's very dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Probably, probably would just want to avoid that. Um, again, this is medical education and not medical advice. Uh, but let me educate you on not doing that. <laughs> yep. So, so don't, don't before that. you answer, that's kind of the just or the the kind of uh, the whole topic of this article. And they talk about some of these dangers may, be, may eliminate the vitamins that you're taking in. By taking too much, you may be eliminating what you're actually getting as far as good effects. Yeah, yeah, it would, it could potentially definitely, um, you, you would have to eat a lot of them. Um, but certainly some of these things, especially if they were like iron pills, um, or they had a lot of extra things inside of them. So I don't know if they had a lot of potassium or something inside of them. You could cause pretty significant uh, health concerns, even death. So uh, I would, I would avoid that. What? Okay. So, so the reason I found this article is because I searched <laughs> for it specifically. Oh, no. And uh, it came up Why? because uh, we had a, a relative that got a pack of gummies and just started eating them like candy, ended up uh -huh. eating the whole uh, container full of it. Uh, he's still alive for sure. But at the same point, I was like, I don't know what that does to you. It just sounds bad though. And the reason I think it sounds bad 
goes back to my childhood and not about me, but I had a friend who had a dog that ate a full uh, container full of aspirin and overdosed and died. So the, the dog did. The dog the did. Yeah, the dog I mean, did. So just terrible not, not knowingly uh, yeah. thinking, hey, I'm a dog. I eat anything that comes into sight and saw a, well, yeah, he a aspirin yep, and died from it. And so that's first thing that came to my mind is, hey, is so-and-so still alive? And yeah, so. Anyways, there's a difference I know between aspirin and gummy, like vitamins. Um, but at the same time, what? How risky is that? And what's the? Is there long-term effects, or is it more just the short term of maybe a disrupt um, digestive system, upset stomach, so forth? Yeah. So certainly. I think if you you're worried about the short term effects, really are, is going to be the big thing, right? Uh, you can induce some diarrhea, uh, some metabolic. We might we might call it like a metabolic encephalopathy, so some uh, temporary alt alteration to your ability to think and process through things, make you a little more confused. Um, so there's there's certainly some issues with the um, immediate term, if if that sort of stuff can persist or get bad enough, then certainly, yeah, there could be some long-term stuff, but usually your body's pretty good at eliminating things like that. And so I would think that the long-term effects are not usually what you're going to worry about. Um, you know, certainly, I guess, if you think about like vitamin C, taking a lot of vitamin C can lead to things like kidney stones. Yep. And so later, later down the road, you may not really want those kidney stones that you got from eating all of that. But, uh, um, uh, that's. I don't think that's exactly what we're talking about here. No, but th that is a point the article talks about is, you know, some of these effects is too much vitamin C can lead to kidney stones. Not to say that will happen, but that's potential. And then as you talked about before, uh, sometimes your body can't process all those vitamins at once and it just comes out through your urine at that point. And basically, I don't know if it has an adverse effect, but doesn't help you Yeah, the way that it should be. So. Does it depend on if you're having it like over time or if you just do like that one, like they just had one container of gummies? As, like as far as uh, getting kidney stones or what? Yeah, or like the long-term effects. I, would it I don't know. It didn't, it didn't talk about the long-term effects. So I'm not sure so, you guys know. So for me, I mean, that's something I, I kind of caution my patients about when they bring in long lists of supplements that they're on. Because yeah. pretty much everything that's like a supplement nowadays tends to have vitamin C in it because everybody wants vitamin C because it makes you healthy, apparently. Um, and so you're going to be at a little bit higher risk for, for things like um, kidney stones with that yeah. just long-term. Uh, and that's, that's not a fun way to go is vitamin C kidney stones. Ben, Dr. Rimes, what, uh, what, what are your thoughts on gummy vitamins in general compared to taking just standard vitamins? 
Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've thought a whole lot about it. Like I don't take a whole lot of vitamins. I prefer gummy vitamins because they're the ones that I'll eat. But those of you who know me know my diet consists mostly of Reese's peanut butter cups and energy drinks. So, and you who's yeah, don't forget the you. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if something tastes a little bit sweet, I'm more likely to eat that. Um, and so if, if you need the vitamins in your diet, um, whatever you can take, that's fine. But I don't know that I've, I've seen anything um, that says it's better for you to do vitamin gummies versus vitamin pills. I, I will tell you, and this isn't my opinion, but based on the article, they mentioned um, one of the downsides of gummy vitamins is the potential that they lose uh, some of their vitamins over time uh, versus pills, which I'm sure can expire as well. But I guess pills have more a greater chance of uh, keeping their full potential versus hmm. a gummy vitamin. So hmm. that's the first I've heard about it, but interesting. I don't know. Never heard that. Thanks, Matt. Sure. This is one of my favorite things to do on Google is finishing sentences and seeing what the auto populator comes up with. When you type in what happens to your body when you take too many, what do you guys think are in the top five search results there? Gummies. M&M's. Potatoes. Starbucks. Punches. Drinks. Punch. Ooh, that's a good guess. Take too many. Take too many. Uh, take too many. Uh, uh, dollar bills from a bank. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know what happens, you You're rich you when you rob a bank. Just watch any movie. <laughs> I feel like... Uh, I, I, I feel like you two were thinking you two took it took a turn down Crazyville, so I'm gonna <laughs> see what Annie has to say. <laughs> I'm thinking it's something like illegal drugs. Yeah, okay. too many. Oh. Too, many, too much drugs. Yeah, too, okay. too many drugs. Drugs yeah. is on there. Painkillers, antibiotics, caffeine, shots of vitamins, alcohol. laxatives. Ooh, laxatives. That's a, a good poor one. person that that searched that term. <laughs> uh, too much sugar is on there. Here. The answer is diabetes on that one, just for those of you looking. Okay. Ben, I'm surprised you don't have diabetes yet. You you eat so much. I, I don't get this. Uh, he, he runs after a lot of small children. It burns it off. Uh, I do. I do. <laughs> only only my own small children, not other people. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe sound like a creeper. So I just want you all to know I'm only chasing my children. <laughs> That's more reflective of my bad parenting <laughs> rather than anything else. <laughs> Thank you, Good Sean. Clarify, yes. Well, the bar is high, Eddie. <laughs> like, like I said, <laughs> after me, you're bound to do amazing. I don't know if I can compare. It's actually kind of turned into an article inception because it had so many links inside the article, and I was so interested that I kept clicking them. So there's a few. We can, can we? we can really this or we can just stay surface level if we'd like can you just so say sad. your vocabulary is amazing you're bringing all these words we never use inception uh, i can't even remember the new words you told us catastrophizing unintentional but thank you thank you okay ready 
a case for wearing socks to bed from the sleep doctor in quotations. I don't know why it's in quotations, but <laughs> it's an age old debate for people who cohabitate. One person prefers cold and the other per person, per, per person prefers cozy blankets. And they found that 75% of couples argue over the temperature in their homes. And 65% say that they sneakily change the temperature in their own favor. And then it says the treachery. So. <laughs> this is interesting. Already, I'm so excited. <laughs> Can I just stop this real quick and say not even five minutes before we started this podcast, I turned the heat up in our house. Uh, we have the Nest thermostat, so I did that on my phone. And I hear my wife from another corner say, you can't do that to me while I'm working out. <laughs> <laughs> that Poor just man. happened. <laughs> you are a statistic now. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I do I do it too. <laughs> <laughs> Except we don't have a nest. So like you, you're like very, um, it's very, what's the word? Like incriminating. Tell you me. go up to the thermostat. Yeah. <laughs> I can see mm -hmm. you. Okay. So how do socks help? They, what they did was they took some couples and they asked some of them to wear socks and the others not to. So what their thought is and what the study said is that when you warm up your feet, then that will warm up your body temperature. So the person who prefers it warmer, if they put socks on in bed, then they'll stay warm and the other person can have their cooler temperature in the room. So yes, I, I believe this. Yes. I, I make my wife wear socks and a hat to bed because and, and shoes. The body heat leaks leaks through your head and through your feet, right? And <laughs> mittens some days when I really want it cold. So. How cold is it? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you live in Arizona? <laughs> Just kidding. What kind of hat? Just kidding. I don't make her do that. It's a cowboy hat. It's not the most comfortable thing, but it keeps her head warm. It's a sombrero. It's a sombrero. <laughs> Welcome to Arizona. This is what we do. It's sombrero <laughs> night, babe. <laughs> okay. All right. Keep going. We apologize. All right. The study that they're citing for keeping your feet warm is a study published in the Journal of Physiological Anthropology saying the effects of feet warming using bed socks on sleep quality and thermoregulatory responses, which I loved, the bed socks. I thought that was really cute. Bed How do they define or... bed socks? Um, socks you wear to bed. bed? Oh, okay. Socks you wear to bed. Like <laughs> type of bed. <laughs> they have to have at least a quarter inch fluff all the way around. Yep. Bed socks. That's now on my bucket list, actually, to start the company that makes bed socks. <laughs> Billion dollar idea. I like it. So the, hey, ben, that I'm going to talk to you about a new business idea later. <laughs> oh, okay. Quarter inch fluff all the way around. I heard it. <laughs> so that, that study was just done on six males. I, I don't know the ability of this or <laughs> how really reliable it was, but they had half, three of them put socks on in bed and the other three with no socks. And the people who had socks on had a 7% higher um, body temperature and they slept 32 minutes longer. So mm. that's that study. Wait, wait, a 7% higher body temperature with wearing socks to bed. 
Interesting. That's pretty high. That- I feel like that's deadly. Is it? No, 7%. Oh, sorry, 1.3% higher. Oh. I must so sorry. Big difference. <laughs> she was testing you, Ben. Can't see anything uh, past you. I mean, I probably I jumped to deadly, but I mean that's that's a that's a good pretty good fever there. Yeah. It's just kind of where I was thinking, right? One degree higher no. is that still fair? No, no, one one degree higher is not bad, but seven percent like of I was thinking seven percent of your body temperature. So you're seven percent higher. Like, if your body temperature is right around a hundred degrees, ninety eight, right? So seven percent of a hundred degrees would be seven degrees. So we're sitting right around one hundred five to one hundred seven. That's bad. Yeah. But I don't I don't think that's what they're meaning there. And I don't that's probably not what you meant. So that was one point three percent one point three degrees Celsius. Higher. Interesting. Higher. Degrees Celsius. Uh oh. Degrees Celsius. For those of you who use Fahrenheit, that's about twenty degrees. I think. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I used to be a little calculator. <laughs> Uh, no, it's just a little bit warmer. Um, <laughs> that's all you're going to say. That's all I'm going to commit to. Probably about three degrees Fahrenheit, right? Um, okay, so... <laughs> Wait, our, one our listeners, in Canada, our listeners in Canada and the UK are turning us off right now. Like, what idiots? They don't know anything. I can't trust anything they say. Wait, 1.3 so, degrees higher? Yes. Yeah, that's 34 degrees. Fahrenheit. Fahrenheit. If you wear bed socks. If you wear bed socks. But also on the flip side, if you are someone who wants to be cooler, then they recommended taking your feet out from under the covers. But these guys are brilliant. That's how monsters get socks on if you're cold. Take (laughs) your feet out of the covers if you're hot. These 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 guys got it figured out. They need that, to write that was a, a study of only six people, though. So again, I'm with you, Annie. How how quality of a study is this? Can we apply this to the whole world? Was it really know. only six people? The entire world. That was the yeah. The bed socks study was six people, six men. Now I'm curious what rabbit trails you went off of this one. Let's go deeper. So, Where else did we go in this journey? Let's unpack this. This says, "What is the best temperature for sleep?" Do you know? Ooh. Uh, between 65 and 70? Yes. Is that right? That's yeah. what I tell my patients. Yes, you're right. Correct. No. Yes. Well, uh, hold on. Oh. Hold on. We got to get down to a degree. You just gave a, a five degree. Wait, range. wait, wait, wait. Can can I make a correction? So <laughs> I sound like a complete idiot once you put this live. Too late. Okay. So I looked up what one degree Celsius is to Fahrenheit and yeah, if it's one degree Celsius outside, that'd be about 34 degrees. But uh, the difference, if you're to go, say your average body temperature is 35 Celsius, which is, um, say, uh, it's a little more, say 36 Celsius, that's 96.8 Fahrenheit. And then if we jump up to 90 or 37.3, that's 99.14 Fahrenheit. So you're talking about like a one, two degree temperature change with socks. Right. So not 34. No. No. So well, just 1.3, as she stated. Yeah. 1. So don't freak out, you bed sock wearers. 
You're not gonna. You're die. not dying. Yeah. You're not gonna burst into flames while you're sleeping. Okay. okay so the optimal temperature for sleeping, though, did they give obviously a single is not being on fire. It's not being on fire. It's sixty-five right. degrees is the exact, but they said anything in the high sixties could work. Interesting. If you don't like that, you could get bed sheets with cooling technology. That's what I have, and I love I it. Is it the chili pan? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is the best investment I've ever done in my life. I heard really? good things about it. Yeah, I use I use the version three, so it's called Uller. So it's like cooler only without a C. And uh, I can I so I set my temperature now to like a hundred degrees. So I get in a bed and it's nice and warm, and then it slowly cools. And then as soon as I get in a bed, I set it down to 68, 69. And then I get, and then it cools down, and I sleep great. I sleep like a baby. Hmm. It's phenomenal. Did Did you have that during the summer? Yeah. Does it save your electric bill? I don't know. We need to study this. We should. How does How does that change your electric bill? But it's it's so good. But I, I mean, because it's it's still plugged in, so it's not. Yeah, but it doesn't take as much energy as the AC does. You would think. Yeah. So Andy, it's like still 110 at night here so <laughs> oh yeah so like it's like this, this month my ac yeah in the summer not right now we'd be screwed if it was 110 in the winter um so like my ac bill will jump from like 100 a month right now to 550 a month in the summer yeah so anything i could do to save on that i'm just thinking through that's that's worth it move to a smaller house Get get more insulation. Get get a more efficient um, mechanical system. Get solar. Matt, do you, do you Matt, need more Matt, examples? Matt, 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 <laughs> Matt, I don't bring you on here to be the voice of reason. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have done solar before. All those other things, sure. No, I'm not. I'm not downsizing yet. Guys, can we get back to Annie's article? This is very uh, exciting. We, we kind of stole this from you. I'm it sorry. Is, <laughs> this is the like best the one we've had in since we started. Really? Years, that sucks. Years, really. Years. So, Annie, the big takeaway from your article, if you had one. If you fight over the thermostat at night, if you're somebody who wants to be warm at night, put some bed socks on. Patent pending. With one point. Trademark Dr. Goose. <laughs> we, I mean, we we're already going to come up with, come out with hats that we've designed now. We will now have socks. Bed socks. I'm bed just socks. telling you, bed socks. Yes, thank you. Specifically, bed socks. Yeah. Quarter, I am writing this down. Around. It will happen. Um, what, one more rabbit hole that you went down, Annie. I, I'm curious. That was one. Where's another one? Um, the, oh, the other study was about couples arguing over the thermostat mm. and underhandedly changing it. So yeah, 75% of people argue over thermostat, 65% change, change it sneakily. And that the, the, <laughs> they can forget about their guest comfort level. The guest comfort level ranked at a mere 5%. They don't care <laughs> about the guest comfort. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> what what has our society come to? I know. Jeez. Uh, I 
I, I changed the thermostat at work on purpose to annoy people that are in other parts of the building that, um, that will get hotter for it. Oh, I definitely do that on purpose. Wow. Like you try to smoke us out. Yep. I am. <laughs> Go away. Very good. Oh, we learned some great things today. That's great. Uh, can't wait for Ben's wrap up for things we learned today. Again, Annie, thank you for being on here. This was a lot of fun and we learned something unlike all the times we bring goose on here and he brings articles for yeah. us. You're on once we um, learned something. We, we learned words. We learned actual science about healthy sleeping habits and how our spouses try and betray us. Mm. It's good. Please do us a favor. Go on and read the blog that Annie just wrote for us. What, what was the post about Annie? It was a post on anxiety and stress management via small habits that you can incorporate in your lifestyle and every day. Very easy to implement. The feedback so far on social media has been phenomenal. I've already incorporated a couple of the things into my life and they're helping. I'll tell you, one of the ones that, that we've actually been talking about in our family is uh, social media and how not using social media is uh, a lot healthier for us. And we tend to have a lot more positive of an outlook on life when we limit that. Mm -hmm. That's been I, huge. I really like that one, Annie. And one thing we've done is less TV. I don't know if that's in your article because honestly, I haven't read it yet, but we are trying to do less TV. Uh, your, your point on social media, like I was trying that before and then she gave me something better to, to latch onto with it. So I, I really did appreciate that. Have you guys ever, ever watched uh, The Social Dilemma? Yes. If you I haven't, have. you need to go watch that. That will scare the bejesus out of you for yeah. social media use. Your point about single tasking is another mm -hmm. great thing. Anyway, lots of fantastic advice that she gives both uh, on the mental side, lifestyle side, nutrition. It is fantastic. And of course, exercise because we're PTs. That's what we, that's what we want uh, to influence people to do. And she gives you lots of daily habits that are really easy to incorporate. Fantastic. So thank you again for writing that for us. Um, she's going to be a normal staple of our writing crew which we are growing. So we're so thankful to, for you to join us. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. I'm excited. You can also get on our blog to read about our rad articles. The last one was about their cool new neuroball and talking about uh, some of the benefits they found both in Parkinson's MS. Be sure to follow us on social media. We are at the DDG podcast. The the is important. If it's DDG podcast, you won't get us. You'll get somebody else. It's like some Mexican thing. I don't even know what it is, um, but they beat us to it. So at the DDG podcast, and you can follow Annie at holistic DPT. Again, it's only one L. If you misspell it like me, you will not get there. Do you want to be a guest blogger like Annie? You can. There's actually a whole page on our website for it. Under the, the blog section, there's a drop down, and you will find out how to apply yourself. And you could be on here with us too. I probably just talked most people out of it because then they're going to be on the podcast too. And they're going to be very afraid of that. <laughs> Sorry. It can happen. Sorry. Go check out our sponsors. Help kickstart your 2021 goals uh, by getting better sleep with nods. What? That's a lot of goals. <laughs> not 2021 goals. Your health goals for 2021. Oh, that makes more sense. Did that come out wrong? Do you have health goals for 2021? Well, you should get on and visit our sponsors. 
especially pros. You can get better sleep with nods and better immunity and energy during the day with Shield. We believe in it and you should try it. Uh, the link will be in our show notes. Use code DDG15 for 15% off. And Ben, your favorite is Groove Life. Did you get I any more belts? I love Groove Life so much. Have you got any more belts? Oh, I did. No, you I, got a belt? I gave, I gave Matt two for Christmas. Yeah. Nice. I, I'm such a believer in those belts. It's the only belt I wear now. I don't even use any of my other ones. I gave out belts for Christmas too. <laughs> I, it's genius. They're so nice. They're good. And he's like, why would you give a belt for Christmas? That's not very exciting. Annie, go look at these belts. They're amazing. They amazing. are exciting belts. They have if you if you could revolutionize something like a belt, they've done it. It's Ooh. it's it's insane. Do you, do you guys don't, don't give, let them hear about our stock idea? Do you guys give the guest uh, podcast people um, gifts for coming on? They're gonna get a hat soon. Ah, yeah, I was gonna <laughs> say I was gonna say you give Annie a belt. So. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah, they have they have Apple watches, uh, smartwatch bands. Do you, do, you, do you have an Apple Watch? What do you have? Do you do any tech Me? on your watch? Yeah. I do. I have an Apple Watch. There you go. Boom. Um, what's it called? Groove. Groove Life. Groove Life. I, I have not gotten a watch band yet. I still wear my, my ring every day. I wear my uh, belt every day. Yep. I think yep. I think the watch band is next for me. So I did their leather one. It's awesome. Sorry, their website, better than a box of chocolates. Uh, oh. huh. It's Groove yeah. Life, not to be confused with Groove, uh, the women's lingerie store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you may go to a different website. This is actually embarrassing because we asked Groove for sponsorship first, but then we found out we, we went to the wrong company and Groove Life is like, hey, yeah, sure, we'll sponsor you. <laughs> so we're still hoping for Groove to sponsor Sunday. <laughs> So ridiculous. <laughs> so group life, you go to, to buy their products. Please use our coupon code DDGPOD. Again, that changed from whatever it used to be in the past to DDGPOD for 15% off. Also really annoying. Another code change. Apparently coupon code picked up one of our other companies. So rad changed their coupon code for us. It's DDGPODCAST. That's DDG podcast. Sorry, if you're trying to use the other codes, it doesn't work. You just have to listen to another episode where we update our codes again, because that's what's happened lately. Everyone is updating our codes. You know what? I think it's time for a summary statement. Oh, dear God, yes. Here we go. Today, we learned that maybe stretching exercises might be better than walking for your blood pressure. Might be. Uh, we learned that swearing... Uh, may be a sign that you're smarter and better able to handle life. And for those of you out there who use a lot of swear words, you might just be smarter than your friends. Uh, we learned that too many gummies might be bad for you. Uh, and finally, the revolutionary topic of wearing socks to bed came up. And those of you who sleep cold, maybe wearing socks to bed could save your marriage. We also learned that the uh, uh, optimal temperature for sleeping is 65 degrees. And finally, we learned a lot about our different sponsors, but nobody wants to hear about that right now. They want to hear the last part of our summary, which is where we say, 
This has been another fun and exciting podcast. It has been a pleasure talking with you. I am Dr. Benjamin Imes, signing off. I'm Sean Palmer. Uh, I'm the dude. Go, Matt. I won't say my last name. (laughs) For legal purposes. And once again, thank you, Annie, for uh, guest podcasting with us today. So much fun. See y'all next time. Thank you for listening to the Doc.Goose podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave a review to help others discover us. Visit our website at www.ddgpodcast.com to read the show notes, blogs, view videos, and interact with the cast. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the DDG Podcast. If you have an Apple device, you can easily access the podcast by saying, Hey Siri, play the Doc.Goose podcast. <laughs>